Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. We all, we all know those things. We, we feel like we don't really want or even need anybody to tell us what life's all about because we have bought into the myth that says the key to happiness is independence. We have heroes like Superman and Batman and the Lone Ranger. I know I'm dating myself uh, I don't have all the Iron Man and, you know, Captain America. I don't know who all their, their sidekicks are. But, you know, even the Lone Ranger had Tano, right? Batman had Robin and Superman had who? Lois Lane. <laughs> Amen. See, the myth that if I have relational independence or financial independence or independence in every other area of my life, if I don't let anybody get too close to me and I'm totally self-sufficient, then I'm going to be happy. That's a myth. The reality is it's kind of more, at least if I do all those things, I decrease the chances of getting hurt or getting hurt again, which really is sometimes the real issue. I think we all know, though, that isolation is not the answer, right? The key to happiness is not independence, but really it's interdependence. I talked about it last week. We, we need each other. We belong to each other. We need community, amen, in our lives. Thank you. I'm glad to see somebody getting excited out there today. See, God wired you and I to go through life not as a solitary individual, but in community. We need each other, and God says that community really is not optional. You might feel like, well, I'm very self-sufficient, and I don't need other people in my life. But you see, the truth is you absolutely have to have other people in your life if you're going to become everything that God called you to be. Today in this message, I want to remind each of us that you cannot fulfill God's purposes for your life all by yourself. You can't do it. There's no way you can be all that God wants you to be and do all that God wants you to do all by yourself. Now, you've got to do it in relationship with other people. We need each other. And we belong to each other in the body of Christ. And we need to do life together, not alone. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one. Don't miss that. It says, In Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I want to share a few reasons that God says you need other people in your life and why you need to consider even the vision of this church to be a vision that you can embrace. Gather, connect, serve. We gather on weekends to worship God together, and that's good, but guess what? That's not enough. We also need to be in community with others, and we do that at Life Church by connecting in small groups and by serving with others on our dream teams. Gather, connect, serve. See, this is why you need a church family, and, 
And you need to be actively involved with that church family. Why should I live life together and not alone? Well, let me share with you a few reasons here this morning. And the first reason is because I need others to walk with me. I need others to walk with me. Now, what does that mean? It means I need you to help me grow personally, emotionally, and spiritually. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6 says, Just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. See, the Bible often compares life to a walk because this is a journey, not a destination. Amen? I know ultimately our destination is to get to heaven. But in this life, let me just tell you, you're never going to get exactly where you need to be because this life is designed for us to always be on a journey to become better and more than what we are right now. Amen? Think about it. Let me, and you know, just think about this for a minute. Are you where you were one year ago today? Emotionally or spiritually or even relationally? Almost certainly the answer is no. Things change over time. We go in and out of seasons. We grow. We change. And throughout the New Testament, we're told to walk in wisdom, to walk in love, to walk in light. We're told to walk in obedience, to walk in the Spirit, to walk as Jesus walked. But hear me, one of the keys that we accomplish this is by realizing you're never meant to walk through life alone. Now, this doesn't even, I'm not even necessarily talking about being single or married, which, by the way, happy anniversary to my bride 29 years ago today. Amen? 29 years ago today. 30 years ago today, I proposed to her, and 31 years ago today, we went on our first date to a Winans concert. Does anybody remember the Winans? I went when they really were the Winans. <laughs> All of them, amen? It's hard to believe 31 years ago today. So why do I need people to walk with me? I need people, first of all, because it's safer. It's safer. Walking through life with other people in your life is safer. It's less risky. Have you ever walked down a dark street or a long country road at night all by yourself? Now, see, we, we live out, and not really in the country, but maybe some people would think it's in the country. But I tell you, there's some roads, and when the temperature's right, I love to go on walks but I'm, a, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you, as a grown man, there was one night I remember I went on a walk, and it was really, really dark outside. You know, and I'm, all, I'm kind of expecting there to be a few stars, maybe a little moonlight. But i got to be honest with you, I was on this walk, and I was about 10 minutes from the house, and it was really dark, and I was hearing noises. And I was like, man, I'd give it a hurry up and get home. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not carrying, amen. I, I don't have a knife. I was looking for a big stick, but it was so dark I couldn't even see it. And I was, just, I was ready. I wanted to get home because it was just a little bit risky. Have you ever been walking, you know, in the city or maybe walking in a mall or walking or maybe even in a restaurant late at night and you're walking through the parking lot to get you your car and maybe there's a crowd of people and they're laughing and they're real loud or maybe they're, and you just get a little uncomfortable because you're by yourself. But see, when you're walking with somebody, it's safer. It's a little less scary. It's also supportive to walk with other people. Keeps you from giving up. When you're walking with other people, you get the energy and the encouragement to keep on going. There's, there's an old Zambian proverb that goes like this. It says, when you run alone, you run fast, but when you run together, you run far. Amen. So here's my question. Do you want to run fast or do you want to run far? 
Life is not a 50-yard dash. It's a marathon. I remember the 600-yard dash when I was in high school. Do they, do they still make kids run in school? Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Amen. I'll never forget the 600-yard dash. It might, have, might as well have been a 600-mile dash. I mean, you take off 50 yards, you're like, whoo, man, I got this thing smoked. You hit 100, and all of a sudden, and then there's always a third of the class, they're finishing the 600-yard dash like this. And you see, because sometimes we like to start fast, but we forget, we got to pace ourselves. And we got to have people that walk with us. And you know what, there's a great lesson in life that you learn when you walk with other people. And you know what that is? Everybody walks at a different pace. Different styles, different strides. We used to joke about that in my family. They said I was the fast walker in my family. Everybody had to try to keep up with me. I think I've slowed down a little bit over the years. Yeah, but you know, you know what I learned about that? Compromise. Sometimes you got to slow down when you're walking with people. Sometimes you got to speed up when you're walking with people. Sometimes, as we mentioned uh, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, it's not good for man to be alone. And walking with people helps us learn the art of compromise. God told Adam in the garden, I mentioned it last week, it's not good for you to be alone. So you know what God did? He offered us two groups. He created two groups of people in our lives, your physical family and your spiritual family. The physical family is the one that you grew up with, the one you're growing up with now, your kin folks, as we like to say here in Virginia. Amen? They're the people that you live life with, you do life with. Some of them you love, some of them you love a little more, some of them you love differently. Amen? But they're your family. But there's another group of people called your spiritual family. And guess what? You're going to have them the rest of your life and into eternity. It goes all the way into eternity. Your physical family, they eventually they move. People uh, get divorces. People die. All kinds of stuff. Your physical family does not go on forever. But the spiritual family, God's church, is going to go on forever and ever and ever. So you know what God says? I want you to be connected in my family, the church, the body of Christ. We can never forget that life is about relationships and not achievements. It's not. When you die, nobody's going to remember you for the stuff you did. They're going to remember you for the impact you made on their life. Amen? You know what I hope? And somebody remember this when I die. Somebody remember this because Robin will be grieving too much if I die before her. You know what I hope they put on my tombstone? He loved people. I'll be happy if that's what it says. He loved people. I want to love people. I want to start with my family. I want to start with my my church family. I want to start with my community. We want to love one another. But our church family is going to last forever. I love what 1 Corinthians 14 says in the message paraphrase. I didn't give them these verses, so just listen up closely. It says, when you gather, each one of you be prepared with something useful for all. Sing a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight. Take your turn with no one person taking over. That way you all learn from each other. Now, check this out. Does that sound like something we could do right here on Sunday morning? Not really. You know, we don't have time to say, hey, anybody got a poem? (laughs) 
Anybody? Anybody got a psalm? What happened in your life last week? Anybody got a prayer request? Who learned something from God this week? Now, all of us would probably have an answer to those questions, but we can't do that in a weekend gathering. But guess what? It happens every single week in a small group. Happens every week in a small group. That's why to be a healthy believer, you need a large group worship experience like what we're doing here today. But you also need small group fellowship and discipleship and relationship. Temple worship and house to house. Amen? That's why in our church, we, we want to encourage everybody, be a part of a small group. If you're only getting half of the equation, you're, not, you're only getting half the benefit of being part of the body. Amen. You need to walk through life with other believers. You can still, by the way, we just started our fall semester this past week. You can still join a life group. Stop by the Welcome Center or call the office this week. We'll give you details. We have small groups happening, I think, every single day of the week this year. We've got some during the day, some at night. You can find one that fits you. You know what? Everybody has what I call a longing for belonging. We do. Everybody does. Deep in the human spirit, there's a longing for belonging. It's why the worst kind of punishment in our prison system is solitary confinement. I don't want to get sidetracked. I think that's inhumane to stick a man or a woman in a, in a cell just a few feet wide in darkness for 23, 24 hours a day for weeks and months and sometimes years. It's torturous. God did not design us to be that way. God did not design us to live our life in solitary confinement. We are not made for isolation. We're made for relationships. So first of all, I need others to walk with me. And secondly, the reason you don't want to be alone is you need others to work with you. You need people to walk with you. You also need people to work with you. The Bible says God put you on earth to do a certain work that, guess what, only you can do. Before you were even born, God decided the talents and the abilities that he was going to give you. And guess what? He chose you. He knew you would be born. He knew where you would be born. He knew when you would be born. He knew who your parents should be because he had a purpose for your life. And part of that purpose is he's got work for you to do. Amen. Amen. Anytime you use your talents or your abilities to help Somebody else, there's a word for that. It's called ministry. Amen. Service. All of us are ministers. Ministry is, is serving other people with love. What that means is when you use your gifts and what God wired you to be to help others, you're doing what God wants you to do. Ecclesiastes 4 says two are better than one because they get more done by working together. You always get more done as a team than you do as an individual. I'll give you a perfect example. Yesterday we had a work day here at the church. Big hand of applause for everybody that showed up and helped us on our work day. If you didn't get to show up, don't worry. We're going to have one at the end of October as well. And we're doing a landscaping project. You may not have known it, noticed it or not, but we ripped out all the old landscaping yesterday. We cut down 20 trees yesterday. We ground up the stumps, and we're cleaning this place up. And guess what? We're getting ready to put brand new landscaping in next month. Isn't that exciting? And you know what was really wild about it? Yesterday while I was digging up those bushes, I had a deja vu moment. I remembered 13 years ago planting those bushes. <laughs> I remember several work days, so many work days we just called it work. 
But I remember planting those bushes. And I thought, look at this, the life cycle has come around. Now, I didn't know this. I thought once you planted a bush, it would live forever and it would work forever. And then I, I found out that that's not true. Amen? And so the thing that looked good 13 years ago now needs to be replaced with something new. And it was just the life, life cycle of it all. But thank God that we weren't out here working by ourselves. You always get more done together than you do when you're alone. Individually, I'm not going to make that big a difference in the world. Individually, you're not going to make that big of a difference in the world. But together, we can make a big difference if everybody does just a little. Amen? Did you know togetherness is God's answer to fatigue? It is. If you're tired all the time, it's probably because you don't have the relationships built into your life to support you and strengthen you and help you carry the load. Have you ever watched TV when, uh, when the Amish community comes together and they build a barn? Oh, my word. It's amazing. And they don't just throw up some lean-to either. They spend one day and they build this immaculate barn, and it's like it would take a 200-year storm to come along and knock that thing down. They come together, and at the end of the day, they recognize that everybody had a part to play, all the way down to the children filling up glasses of lemonade. We all need people to work with us and to walk with us. And number three, I need other people to watch out for me. Amen. Not just to walk with me, not just to work with me, I need them to watch out for me. I'm talking about people who will defend me, people who will stand up for me, people who will protect me, people who will help me stay on track, people who will sometimes have my back. Amen. People who will watch my back. And we all need this because guess what? Everybody's got blind spots. We all do. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, here's our text again. It says, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, if you want to talk about a countercultural verse, this is it. <laughs> let everybody look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. You know, today generally the idea is it's all about me. It's my needs, my interests, my wants. Look out for numero uno. This verse doesn't just say look out for your own interests. It says we've got to look out for the interests of others. If you've ever gone on a summer vacation and you were gone for a week or two, you might have had somebody check your mail or feed your dog or just kind of watch out for your house. You know, watch out for your stuff. I remember the, the house I previously lived in. When we would be gone, I would let my neighbor know. And man, he would watch my house like a hawk. I mean, sometimes I'd be gone, I'd get a phone call from him. He'd be like, somebody drove up in your driveway yesterday. Like, man, did, did they take anything? No. Did they go in the house? No. I just want to let you know, they drove up in your driveway yesterday. Thank you, Grill. Appreciate that, buddy. But, you know, we don't just need people to watch out for our stuff. I want to know, is there anybody watching out for your soul? Amen. Is there anybody watching out for your emotions? Is there anybody that's helping you stay on track spiritually? Is, is there anybody who loves you enough to say, hey, I'm not going to let you stay discouraged. I'm not going to let you drop out. I'm not going to let you quit. I'm not going to let you get tired. I am here with you. Let me support you and help you. Do you have somebody like that in your life? And they encourage you 
in your spiritual life. If you don't have anybody like that, you need somebody like that. Because we've all got blind spots. And together, there's things that we can do that we can't do by ourselves. Things you can't see. You get a taillight out in your car, you're never going to know about it until somebody finally says, hey, you've got a taillight out. Amen? Hopefully somebody will tell you when there's broccoli stuck in your teeth. (laughs) Hopefully. Hopefully somebody will tell you when your zipper is unzipped. (laughs) See, we need to watch out for each other. Amen? We need to have each other's back. Hebrews 13 and 1 says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Keep on loving one another. You know why I think they had to put the keep on in there? Yeah, you already know why. Because it's not always easy to love one another. Sometimes it's a whole lot easier to be mad or to be frustrated or to be offended or to be hurt because that comes along with it. Amen? Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters because we're in God's family. You got to protect each other. You got to watch out for each other. I'll never forget when we were growing up, my sister and I, we used to fight like cats and dogs. I'm embarrassed. We, we fought like cats and dogs. I used to fight with my brothers all the time. We were, I mean, we were a mean bunch of kids. I'm so glad my kids didn't act the way we used to act. Amen. And you know what? We would fight. I mean, literally almost every day, we were fighting about something, yelling physical fighting. I mean, my brothers would get down and roll around in the dirt and fight. There were bloody noses and scratches. I mean, it was the real deal. But don't you mess with my brothers. Don't you mess with my sister. Because when it came down to that, we always had each other's backs. Keep on loving one another. Not just once. We got to be vigilant. We got to be intentional. That means we talk through our disagreements and our hurts. Can somebody say amen? We don't give up on each other. We give each other the benefit of the doubt. Because you know what I've learned? When Satan attacks you, he doesn't come in a little red costume and a pitchfork and say, boo. <laughs> you want to know how Satan messes up your life? Through habits you can't break, through hurts you won't let go of, through hang ups that you just can't seem to change through problems and circumstances, through relationships that break your heart, through hurts that just can't seem to heal. He does it through unresolved conflict. He does it through unforgiven offenses. Come on, somebody. He always works around and through other people. And you're going to live in defeat if you try to fight him on your own. You need other people who will watch out for you and help you. Ecclesiastes 4 and 12 Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Amen. You know what? That, that's a small group. Threefold cord. Is there anybody watching your back? Is there anybody watching out for your spiritual welfare? Do you have anybody like that? Are you somebody like that for someone else? See, if not, you need to find somebody. You need to be somebody. I've heard some amazing testimonials of people who've been surrounded by others in their time of need. But can I also be honest and tell you, I've also heard some stories of people who have gone through battles and they went through battles all by themselves. I've heard from people who have had an amazing small group come alongside them. And I've also heard of people who've gone through things alone. And sometimes, if I'm just keeping it real, sometimes they even had a small group and for whatever reason, things didn't work out. 
You know what we need to do? We, we need to just take the blinders off and we need to quit whitewashing everything and it's always pretending like everything's okay. Amen? See, because sometimes even people in the church mess up. Come on, somebody. Amen? I, I don't want to destroy your Pollyanna world. I don't want to. I don't want to. Sometimes church folks screw up too. Sometimes church folks will stab you in the back. Because guess what? They need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> guess what? Maybe they are having a bad day. It's not excusable, but it's just reality. But here's the question. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to respond? Ecclesiastes 4 and 9 and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Verse 10, here it is. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Two are better than one. I have never yet met a person who doesn't have something in their life that they'd like to change And guess what? You're never going to be able to change it on your own. Because if you could have, you would have already done it. But you can't. You need other people. Some problems in our life only get solved by tackling it together with somebody else. Together, not alone. I need people to walk with me. I need people to work with me. I need people to watch out for me. And number four, I need people to wait with me and weep with me. Sometimes I need you to wait. Sometimes I need you to weep. Isn't it great when people are waiting for the good news with you and they rejoice when something great happens? But you know what else? Sometimes you need people who will weep with you when you get the bad news. You need people who will celebrate the good times and you need people when the tragedies hit. You don't want to face that alone. There's situations that nobody should ever have to go through all by themselves. Nobody should have to wait alone in the hospital when a loved one is having a life-threatening surgery. Nobody. Nobody. Amen? Nobody should have to wait alone for a lab report back on a serious health issue. Nobody. Nobody should have to stand at the edge of an open grave all by themselves. Nobody. Come on, somebody. Help me here. Nobody should have to spend the first night alone at home after their husband or wife has died. Nobody should have to be alone when their wife or husband has walked out on them. But the fact is, some of these things have happened, and some of these things are going to happen in your life. They're inevitable. You're going to have loved ones die. You're going to face tragic circumstances. You're going to get bad health news. Somebody's going to do you wrong. You're going to find out one day. And if the Lord tarries every one of us, are not only going to face death, we're going to die ourselves. And those times are coming, and think about it, how foolish it is for us to go all the way through life totally unprepared for something that we know is inevitable. You know, we talk about it, you hear about it in the life insurance industry, right? That we all know we're going to die, so why would we wait until we're dying and then leave our family on the hook? By the way, can I, I don't sell life insurance. Can I just throw a little plug out there? If you don't have any life insurance, get you some life insurance so that you, you're not a burden on your family. I can use a little bit more help than that, amen? 
But think about it. It's almost like you know you're going to die and you do absolutely nothing to prepare yourself. But did you know sometimes people go through life like that? They don't have any friends. They don't have any associates. And they know the storm is going to hit. When you're young, you don't believe it's going to hit. You think, yeah, well, I know hypothetically one day, maybe possibly. But it does come. And you know what? You want to know what God's safety net is? It's other believers. Your financial safety net might be the life insurance, but your, your God's safety net is other believers. And guess what? You don't need a hundred. You just need a handful. Five or six. You need a group of other believers that are committed to you and know you and love you and are willing to do life together and not alone. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8 says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Romans 12 and 5 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We do that when we're together and we're not alone. Somebody has a promotion or a celebration, a graduation, we party. Amen? We have a good time. We have fun. Somebody has a tough time, you want to cry with them. You want to be there for them. You want to pray with them. And you know what I've learned? You don't have to fix everybody's problems. Sometimes people don't even want you to fix it. <laughs> Amen? They just want you to sympathize. They want to know somebody cares. Sometimes they don't need you to fix it. They just need you to know. They just need to know they're not all by themselves. And that strengthens them for the journey. Just sit there with them. Hold their hand. Put an arm around them. Wait with them. Weep with them. Be there with them. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11 says, encourage each other and strengthen one another. Why do I need to be together and not alone? I need others to walk with me, work with me, watch out for me, wait and weep with me. And my last point, I need others to witness with me. Now check this out. What do I mean by that? You've got a life message that God wants you to share with the world. It is part of your mission. The Bible says that God put you and I on the earth to do a mission, but God never meant for us to do it by ourselves. God would never send a soldier out by himself. And you know what he says? That we don't have to go out by ourselves either. And what is the best way you witness to people who don't know Jesus Christ? I'm going to tell you what it is, and it might surprise you. John 13, 34 through 35 says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, when I say the word witness, we automatically think evangelize. We think testimony. We think sharing the gospel. We think sharing the good news or reading someone the scripture or leading them to Jesus. But did you know how you really witness the most effectively? The scripture says, if you have love for one another. God says it's by loving others in the family of God and in the community as a whole. Jesus said it is your love for one another. Prove to the world that you are my disciples by loving one another. I need you to help me be a witness in this world by allowing me to love you and by you and by me allowing you to love me in return. The greatest witness we have about how God changes our lives is how we love and how we live with other people. Because you can tell a whole lot about somebody's Christianity by seeing how they treat people, by seeing how they love other people. 
And the one thing that proves to the world that you're in the family of God, that you've stepped over the line, that you're headed for heaven, is how you treat other people. In a world of so much divide and discord, what a powerful witness that is. And if there was ever a day for the body of Christ to look, act, and be different, it's today. Amen? We ought to be showing people the way. I want the praise team and the musicians to come. See, when you're truly in God's family, you start loving others in God's family. And you know what? That's what I want Life Church to be known for. Now, I talked to you last week about our spiritual family and our diversity and our focus and our togetherness and all those things that are so important. But I want to remind you that what impresses people is not the size of our church. It's not our building. There's a lot of churches with better buildings. It's not our music, our sermons, our preaching. Right now, today, it's definitely not our landscaping, amen? Because <laughs> we've got everything dug up. What impacts people is if this is a place where you can be loved. I want you to stand with me all over this house. This has got to be a place where you can be loved. This has got to be a place, Joel, if you'll start playing for me. This has got to be a place where it's okay for somebody to stand up and say, you know what, I've got an addiction, and they are loved and not judged. This has got to be a place where somebody can say, I made a mistake. But we can say, you're forgiven and be loved. This has got to be a place where people can say, I messed up, but they're still loved. This has got to be a place where you're not perfect, but you're still loved. That's what I want us to be known for. A place where we really do live our lives together and not alone. You see, God's purpose for making mankind in His own image was to satisfy His hunger for relationship. Adam and Eve had every opportunity to enjoy the Lord's companionship, but they failed, and then God turned uh, away from them and that beautiful garden. Then, then He chose the nation of Israel. What did Israel do? They turned to idolatry, and they too failed God. Throughout time, the Lord has continued to search for relationship. And you know what? Now He has chosen His bride. It's the church. The church. Look around you right now. You are looking at the bride of Christ. I think sometimes it loses its luster when we call it the body of Christ. But I want you to look. This is who God said I want to spend the rest of my life with. My bride. Composed of people from every nation, every racial group, every language to walk with Him and He with them. And today I've talked about why we all so desperately need the church and we need each other. But I want to remind you that there is no greater important, no greater relationship than your personal relationship with God. If you try to get all your other relationships right and your relationship with Jesus is still wrong, guess what? You failed. Don't miss this today. I'm so glad if you have a good marriage. I'm so glad if you've reconciled with your kids. I'm so glad if you get along well with your extended family. Maybe even you're, you're the most popular person on your job. But if you've missed it with Jesus, you've missed it. You've missed the most important thing. You know, Jesus loves you. 
It's not just a cute religious phrase. It's not just a cute little thing that we say in Sunday school. It's the truth. Jesus loves you. And he wants to be your most important relationship. I want to open this altar right now. And I'm going to invite you to come. Step out from where you are. I'm going to invite you to come. First of all, if you need to repent of your sins and invite Christ into your life, if you need to repent of your sins and ask the Lord to begin a new work in you, I'm going to invite you to come. If you're already a believer, but you need a renewal and a refreshing in your life, I want to invite you to step out from where you are and just come on down. Because we're a family, amen? We're together. We're not alone. Or maybe there's some things that are just blocking you and hindering you. Maybe there's something you are, you know what it is. You don't want to talk about it. But maybe you got to forgive somebody. You got to forgive yourself. Or you got to move past some hurt and some pain. I just want to invite you to step out from right where you are. Look, people are coming from all over this house. Today might need to be a day of new beginnings, forgiveness, and acceptance, and love. And maybe for those of you who don't know God, today's your day to start that journey. Because we don't want to do it alone. Amen. Let's pray and let's worship with the praise team. Let's begin to lift our hands all over this house and let's call on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we love you today, Jesus. We love you today, Jesus. We call on you right now, God. We need your strength today, God. We don't want to go through life alone. God, I believe you're here to heal relationships. You're here to heal the body of Christ. You're here to restore God. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that you would move in this house, oh God. Of heaven, in this you house, conquer God. the grave, you free every captive and break every chain. Heal us, oh God. Heal us, oh God. Restore us. For those who don't know you, God, touch Redemption, your heart, touch your their freedom, awaken to life. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Strengthen them, oh God. Yes and amen.